And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Wednesday, August break Wednesday. Trying to find something. Gary, how are you? Doing good. I, I, what what I liked yesterday was a poll that was on to do the, uh, the the tip poll that uh, was talking about bribery and asked the question that, you know, if you knew that by the president committed bribery, mm-hmm. <laughs> should he go? All right. So this so the premise of the question is. <laughs> and this isn't even a political question. This is a moral question. Yeah. If you know that the president, if you knew that the president committed bribery, should he go, 20% of Americans say no. <laughs> Who are those 20% of Americans? Well, I, mean, I don't well, care. I don't care if it was a Republican president or yeah. a Democratic president. If the evidence exists, because that's the premise of the question, you know it's not whether you think Biden did it. The question is, if this president took the bribe, should he go? And 20% of Americans, no, he should stay and run again. Well, that wasn't accurately reported. That 20% said no, but they could be persuaded. <laughs> <laughs> While holding their hand out and rubbing their fingers together. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say this is a poll about bribery? bribery? Uh, <laughs> well, I could be persuaded. I could if be I, persuaded. Grease, grease the palm a little bit, <laughs> could you please? <laughs> those, are the, those are the kind of polls, that, and we've, we've always done this when we look at any poll, it doesn't matter what it is, and when you get to the absurd part of it, you say, you know, even if it's yeah, 5% no. on, on yeah. some absurd question, you're like, who are these five well, percent of Americans? Okay. You know, if, well, well, if 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 the the president went out and murdered, uh, if uh, if if the president was involved in a genocide, mm-hmm. should he be removed from office? Uh, and you'll always get three percent of Americans say 
No. no. <laughs> yeah. like, Who are these people? <laughs> right. Well, well, I was, I was going to say, because you have to go back to that 20% and then go, okay, let's revisit this. Listen, we're going to ask you again. First of all, do you know the definition of bribery? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that, no, 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 we've often talked about that. You've got to qualify right, it. Right, we, you, that we would qualify all polls because when, when the majority of Americans don't understand the three branches of government, right. then any type of Supreme Court decision, when you ask the American public, for example, do you agree with the Supreme Court and what they did, and people say, no, they should have done this, you go, well, you have to understand, do you understand the Supreme Court's role uh, first off, you know the three branches of government and why they exist. And the majority of Americans would tell you no, which means the majority of Americans have no idea why our government is set up the way that it is and what the Constitution is all about. They're completely yeah. clueless, right? yet they drive public opinion based on their ignorance. Because I'll take your, you know, your absurd uh, 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 thought a little bit more absurder. Okay. And, and, and you know, the whole genocide thing. <laughs> Three percent come back. I agree with you. Actually, I think it would be higher. <laughs> I think we might be close to double digits on that one. And then you go back and say, "Well, do you know what genocide is?" And they would say, "Well, yes." And if he wants to kill bugs around his house, he can do that. <laughs> and then you go, "Okay, all right." At, at that point, see, that's the thing. I I would be done at that point. This I I would just be. Uh, when, if if I'm a pollster, I would have to quit. I would quit after the first day. What do you mean 20% <laughs> said no? What? Do, Who are these people? I want their <laughs> names. I want to go to their homes and just ask them nicely, do you know what bribery means? Define the word bribery. <laughs> it's like, seriously. Or... Are we at the point now? Like we talked about, you get a D.C. jury. Who was it that wrote? Was it somebody at National Review that wrote about a, a D.C. jury thing in the last, you know, just basically throwing up that idea that, you know, if you get a D.C. jury, they might either convict or, you know, depending or let someone go. We, we talk about the Sussman trial mm-hmm. and lying to the FBI was the charge. Yeah, we think he lied to the FBI, but. One juror said, but eh, there are more there there are more serious crimes. There, there are right. bigger problems. There are bigger problems to look at that I really don't care about sitting on this jury. I don't right. care about the specific crime that was committed because I believe there are bigger problems. Right. And and my job is basically jury nullification. Yeah. Not yeah. to look at this and look you know, look at the look at the law because that's what the juror said that. We're just relating what the juror said. Right, right. You know, we we're not saying it. It's what we're simply reporting. And so you say, okay, what does that mean when a juror says that? And to me, it means jury nullification. I just, I like this, I like, I don't like the other candidate. Therefore, this particular person that I side with on politics, uh, if they decide to break the law, that's okay with me. Well, you know, bribery, 20%. Nah. Think about that. Listen, one man's bribery is just another man's exchange of money for a huge political favor uh it's <laughs> which it's, is which is bribery which is the definition <laughs> of bribery you know and, 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 ah, they're all corrupt let them let them make their money while they can no i could you know what else i could see i thought about this the other day <laughs> remember it was it was 
think it was in the summer of 2008, I think, they did the profile on Joe Biden, who was then, uh, after the convention of 2008, uh, I'm pretty sure it was right after the convention, and he was, you know, the, he was uh, Obama's Veep ticket, uh, uh, Veep choice on the ticket. And they did this thing, uh, liberal media, you know, Joe Biden took the train to work and took the train home. He's he's not a rich elitist like other members of Congress. This long serving senator is one of the poorest members of Congress, blah, blah, blah. And I can see people going now going, you know what? It's time he made his money. That 20 percent. Hey, he made his money. So what? I mean, seriously. That's just, it, it's, that's where we are today. That's my confidence in people because if we can look at all the problems, we hit it on it yesterday, if we can look at all the problems that, that, that right here are on our plate by choice, that we voted to happen, and that are still in play and are going to keep repeating until we vote differently as a nation then it doesn't surprise me that 20% go, eh, bribery, so what? Uh, when uh, uh, when you maybe think of the, the story out there, and, and I'll get it, I didn't have it lined up to talk about now, but uh, the story out there about that woman in Portland who got mugged. Mm. Yeah. And she said, our fault. We vote, basically, we voted for this. Yeah. That's what we voted for. Wow. Yeah. So this, is what, this is what the city of Portland wanted. This is what the people of Portland wanted. And, you know, it be because you look at it and there's no there's no other way to look at it there's no I don't know how you can look at it and say for example when you talk about let's cut you know police funding yeah yeah and yeah. when you say let's let the criminal roam free yeah are the are people really that I have to ask this question are they really that stupid to believe that if you let criminals roam free and you cut police on the street that crime will get better? And that it won't affect you? Yeah. I mean, are people really that stupid? Because we're not even, I mean, we're talking about the most Neanderthal uh, basic critical thinking skills. Yeah. I mean, there's no sophistication in that, you know, in, in getting to that mindset that if we cut police... And we let the criminals stay on the street. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, were they? what do they say that uh, the, uh, what was it, a third of the shoplifting, was it in New York or San Francisco? I think it was in New York. Mm. It was by 300 people. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, remember, it's a small group. Right, 300 people right. doing the same thing over and right, over. Right. You, you put those, you put those. It's three, organized. Right. You put those 300 people in jail and punish them for a significant period Absolutely. of time for doing it over and over, you know, for doing it not just once, but twice right. with the. You, you put them in jail, you take them off the street, you've just cut shoplifting by a third, 33% right. like mm. that yep. with 300 people. Right. And and so if you don't have that down, I mean, when you, we, we shake our heads, you know, we had the, the, we talked about the police union chief in San Francisco saying, we cut $125 million from the police budget. Mm-hmm. Police aren't on the street. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what did they think was going to happen? And you have all these, all these liberal cities going, we 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 have to backtrack on this. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And and there they were with confidence a few years ago. 
No, if we have un- if we have mental health workers going to domestic disputes, are you out of your freaking minds? Well, brag in New York, if you use the gun as long as you don't pull the trigger, then so- it, we're not going to prosecute a felony, right? Unless you commit another felony while you're doing it. Think about that. If, if they go in, some of these shoplifters. If they were to just take a gun, because most of them are going in and smash and grab or or grab and run or whatever they're calling it. Imagine then if they were, if Bragg had followed through on that. And then they were carrying guns. And walking in and just holding the guns to people while they grabbed whatever they wanted out of the, out of the store and left. Right. I'm going to kill you if you don't give me this. And Bragg well, is going, no, we're not oh, gonna, that's okay. No, we're not going to prosecute them for gun crimes as long as they don't pull the trigger. Right. Now, the now the public opinion got that reversed. Now, it, he, 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 but but public, but it was like, that's what you voted for. And if the, you voted if, for this, if the if if the first grader chews his pop tart into the shape of a gun and takes it in while his mommy is shopping, he goes to prison. <laughs> well, get suspended. Yeah. <laughs> Not if Bragg were in control. Death penalty. Exactly. <laughs> okay, let's Yeah. <laughs> let's take it further. If he's, the death penalty for the child. If he's if he wants to take archery or hunting safety, we'll send in a SWAT team. <laughs> Think about it. I mean just liberalism. We, we need to get rid of archery and hunt hunting safety uh courses in schools. <laughs> yeah. But if you use a gun in the commission of a robbery, armed robbery, yeah. that's okay. We that's don't, okay. No that, felony. That, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just we're good. It's in, when you think about. I mean, it's just it's so crazy. And that's, I guess, that was the thought when you and I both saw that story. That you know, twenty twenty percent of people. Well, if he committed bribery, no, I, we think he should run, continue running for political office. Yeah. It's like okay, so he's. We know he'll use his office <laughs> to be enrich himself. By because the bribery would be uh, changing U.S. policy or enacting U.S. policy for personal bribe money, and twenty yeah. percent in the polling said, "Oh no, that that'd be a that, that'd be a good thing," and we'd keep him in office. And and, and or or it, that wouldn't be a bad enough thing to keep him out of office. Or, and and when then President Trump calls the then incoming president of Ukraine, Zelensky, on the phone and says, hey, part of your campaign, you were promising to crack down on corruption. We're going to hold you to that. Trump should be removed from office. I mean, that's where we are. Bribery? Who was it again? Biden. Not really. No. He's old. He probably doesn't even know he's getting the money. <laughs> I said the Uncle Leo defense. <laughs> <laughs> when he was shoplifting. I'm old. I'm old. I don't know wait, what's wait. going on. How long before we get that from Biden? I'm an old guy. I didn't know this, all that money was in my account. I never look at my account. And then when Seinfeld goes to his parents, they go, and his mother goes, Oh, yeah, we all steal batteries. We steal batteries all the time. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, yeah, we always steal batteries. Yeah. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> well, it could be advantageous to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, all right, we're now going to legalize stealing for seniors. <laughs> yes. you got to start dressing all. That's what you got to do. 
Get you a one-piece leisure suit, <laughs> and then you can work your way into the small crimes. <laughs> gray, gray my hair. Yeah. Yep. Cut it so it looks like I have a receding hairline. Right. Yeah. And then drive your older vehicle when you do it. Oh, yes. <laughs> and park weird. And then, then claim poverty. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a senior and in poverty. Yeah. Look, look at my car. Just bring my second vehicle. It's 20 years old. I'm just trying to feed my family. Right. Do you have a family? That's that's not relevant, and I'm not taking questions right now. My family is my cat. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. Cat is fa- cats are people, too. Right. Love is love. I love my cat. Cats have rights. That's right. <laughs> well, at least they Peter. think they do. They, they they think they do. We're not sure if he's uh, we don't we're not sure if he's a criminal or an animal rights activist or a we're, psycho. We don't we're psycho. It could be all three. Oh man, uh, we have a show today. I think eight six six ninety red eye. Keep your engine humming in the heat this summer by keeping up with preventive maintenance. Think your PM is complete after your oil is changed? Think again. There's grease, transmission fluids, and gear oil to consider too. Transmission fluid, for example, prevents wear of gears, bearings, and bushings, protects against corrosion, and acts as a heat transfer fluid. You may not think about this every time you get behind the wheel, but as soon as it's not doing its job, you'll notice. Misapplication of transmission fluid can mean reduced fuel economy and abrupt or hard shifts if the static friction is too high. It can also cause sluggish operation at low temperatures if the viscosity is too high and leaking through seals if viscosity is too low. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. 
Uh, he's Eric. I'm Gary. All over the place Thursday here. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> did I, I think I said, did I say Wednesday earlier? I may have said Wednesday. Did I was going to say, well, I'm gonna, it, it was no problem because I think yesterday was all over the place Wednesday. There's yeah. just so many things uh, uh, going on. Coming up uh, here, uh, uh, power providers beg the Biden administration for fossil fuels, saying yeah. renewable energy can't keep the grid reliable. Finally! You yeah, know, it, it right. seems like after you and I have been screaming about this for right. a couple of decades yeah. that yeah. it's like finally the the power, the, the actual, the regional power grids, the regional electricity providers are finally getting up and saying, this has to stop. Yep. You can't do this. This yep. is pure insanity. Yeah. So we'll uh, get to that uh, later. You saw that uh, Devin Archer uh, was on the, uh, was on Tucker Carlson's uh podcast yeah and yeah, yeah. uh you know and i would tell you he made it harder you know he's trying to ride this fine line though i don't know if you you, you i'm sure I, you know I, I i got that from some of the stories in recent days yeah yeah you know he's trying to hint that it is all biden but he won't come out directly and say it right because yeah. uh you know when uh when even tucker carlson said well the biden brand the biden band the brian uh you know brand he goes well yeah eventually eventually it comes back to his father but you know there's he had an expertise you know that he you know he well, he knew about regulations and stuff like that. And he says, well, from whom? You know, basically whom? He goes, well, you know, his father's, his brother, when his brother was alive. Yeah. You know, yeah. other people. and But it eventually leads to his father. <laughs> it's just like. Yeah, well, he's trying yeah. to slow walk it. You yeah. know, and, well, and, but, because... but, but it, but it, what it did do is it took away Goldman or anybody else or Jamie Raskin. It took away anything that they could possibly say. Where it doesn't lead to it, and plus, when you see the Washington Post now coming mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. and and stating that uh, you know Biden gets four Pinocchios for right. not yeah. sta- it should be a bottomless Pinocchio right uh, yeah for for um, the um, oh I got my blank here the uh, for uh, saying uh, he China didn't... didn't take money from China yeah yeah uh, that his son did so we'll get to uh, that and uh, oh also uh, our credit rating has been downgraded in the United States expect oh. to pay more all right this that was a big duh. yeah of course we'll get to that and more And get a word in edgewise. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you uh, for being here this morning. Thank you. Thank uh, you. A uh, couple of things, you know, just uh, just uh, because it's all over the place Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Joel Pollack uh, column in, in uh, Breitbart, the Department of Justice never prosecuted Hillary Clinton for conspiracy to defraud the U.S. with the Russian hoax. Think about that. Yeah. You right. actually had, if if you believe that that is a crime that Donald Trump committed. Right. If that's, if that's the legal basis then you, that you're on, and he makes a great point. Hillary Clinton was attempting to defraud the entire U.S. government, and you actually can follow... Point by point, the money trail. Yeah. Because Durham opened it up 
So if <laughs> when I read this yesterday, I'm like, that's a great point. Right. It really is a great point that, you know, she set it up. The money they, they've got the money trail. Mm-hmm. They know what the money trail is. They know precisely what she did. Mm-hmm. Nobody's denying it. Right. Nobody has ever asked Hillary Clinton in the friendly in the Hillary Clinton friendly media. Did you do this? This is the accusation. They know she did. And so if you're going after Trump and you're going to be consistent, now, there is no case. There is no case to go after Hillary Clinton for defrauding the U.S. government. We're just simply but saying. But if you're making one if in you're the case making, of Trump, you if can you're make making that case yeah. for Trump, you have a much better case yeah. with Hillary Clinton. Yeah, much easier to get all, there. All, yeah. the, all the evidence is lined up for you. So that was just something that mm-hmm. I thought was really uh, interesting uh, yesterday. He goes special, And he just writes, Special Counsel Jack Smith charged former President Donald Trump on Tuesday with four counts relating to his, uh, to his challenges of the 2020 presidential election, including conspiracy uh, to defraud the United States. The supposed act of fraud was that Trump said the election had been stolen despite knowing or at least being told otherwise. But if pushing a false claim of a stolen election is a federal crime, then Hillary Clinton, the Democratic Party, the media, and the Department of Justice also should be charged itself. Right. To recap, Hillary Clinton falsely claimed in 2016 that Russia was colluding with Trump. With help from election lawyer Mark Elias, Hillary camp- Hillary's campaign, the Democratic National Committee, hired the Fusion GPS opposition research firm to create a phony dossier on Trump's Russia ties. Think about this. Yeah. If that is a crime that Trump committed because he just said so, you right. have the actions and behavior of the enterprise, which is laid out yeah. Yeah. in the Durham report. Right. And so if it is, you need to go after Hillary for right. defrauding the, uh, the, the U.S. government. He goes, they, they shopped... They shot the dossier successfully to the FBI that began a spying campaign on a Trump aide. Aides like Jake Sullivan, now the national security advisor, continued to spread the Russia collusion claim within the media. And they knew it was false. They knew they created it. Yeah. After Trump won, the hoax took on a new life. Despite conceding to Trump the morning after Election Day, Hillary kept claiming that the election had in fact been stolen. The Department of Justice renewed surveillance warrants even after they knew the dossier was false. Outgoing FBI Director James Comey triggered the appointment of a special counsel to investigate, though he had reason to know there was no evidence of Russia collusion. So Comey was also attempting to defraud the U.S. government by the Jack Smith standard of going after Trump. Yep. And indeed, we know zero Russia collusion was found. The hoax undermined the legitimacy of the incoming Trump administration and interfered with its ability to conduct foreign policy. Even after Mueller came up empty, the hoax took on new life in the form of the 2019 impeachment investigation, which focused on Trump's conversation with the Ukrainian president, but implied that the president was secretly trying to help Russia. In the 2020 election, the perpetuators of the old hoax claim falsely that Hunter's Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. In short, there has never been a greater or more consequential hoax in modern American history than the Russia collusion hoax. And yet no one has ever been prosecuted for it. Least of all Hillary Clinton, who ultimately was responsible for it. 
The Department of Justice, through special counsel uh, John Durham, pursued a few low-level prosecutions, but no one ever targeted the overall fraud on the U.S. government. Though the story of how the Russia collusion hoax was concocted eventually emerged, and nobody is debating the facts of the Durham report at all, not even Democrats. No, no. And so if you're going to do it now, as we have said, you had crimes that were committed in there, the, 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 the fraud of the one FBI agent, whatever. But as we said, you can tell lies. You can tell the worst lies. And you can attempt, as she did, to attempt to defraud the U.S. government. And you can lay out all the facts, not just by saying something. Mm-hmm. Trump simply said it. Mm-hmm. You actually have the enterprise of the people that were involved in it. You have the money trail of the money to create the fraud, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The money to create the fraud. We know that campaign money, you have, campaign money created the fraud. We know that the Hillary campaign, I'll add here to, to uh, 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 Joel Pollack's uh, uh, column, we know that the government fined the Hillary campaign for claiming that the money was being used for legitimate campaign uh, uh, expenses when it was actually used uh, for the opposition research. So they lied about the money in order to try to hide where the money was actually going. The the uh, FEC caught them and fined them for that. So we know everything of the enterprise that Hillary Clinton attempted to defraud the U.S. government and nothing. Yeah, right. And that's because the whole thing with Trump is bogus. You can do things that are completely and totally immoral, but not necessarily illegal. Now, the line to the FBI, as we know, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for Michael Sussman, as we only know from the one juror that talked, well, it doesn't matter whether he lied, there's bigger problems. Right. Yeah, lie doesn't matter. We we have more important things to uh, to to look at. But we know the crimes were committed in there. Only one was punished, and that was uh, oh, Kevin uh, Kleinsmith for uh, for uh, uh, changing, you know, committing fraud on the FISA application warrant. Mm-hmm. But think of everything that came out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the the FISA application debacle. You know, but everything that came out of it was an attempt to defraud the U.S. government by the Hillary campaign. And nothing. Well, uh, all of those things were key. Sussman's lying to the FBI was key. Because if if he had not gotten away with that lie, if it had not been successful, other things would not have happened. Kevin Kleinsmith and what he did in changing the very direction of it all by what he changed on the application for the FISA warrant. Those were all critical. The FISA warrant application was changed because they knew it wouldn't they wouldn't get the warrant without changing that item those were all critical so these are especially um heinous lies and critical lies to the entire equation they are pillars that hold the entire thing up without them occurring you wouldn't have had what you had. And you can just make it up out of thin air with Trump. 
I mean, you, you went full circle. Yeah, I mean, the special it, the, the the special counsel. You did this yesterday. The special counsel himself is defrauding. Yeah, exactly. And he knows it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The special counsel by by doing this is attempting to defraud the U.S. government by his own standards. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing that's mind boggling. The other thing is, and I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, and I saw our our friend Mark Levin talked about it, mm. and he's and uh, he wrote yesterday. Finally, Comer agrees with me. For weeks, I've said that Joe Biden is a co-conspirator in Hunter's FARA criminal violations. If Hunter Biden was considered a foreign agent and Joe Biden was working with him. How is he not a, uh, considered a foreign agent? Then Joe Biden as vice president. <laughs> and then that was that's that's and, and yeah, we, that, no, uh, that's a that great. That's a, that's yeah. brilliant. He goes, we didn't, and he writes, we didn't need Archer's testimony to demonstrate it. It underscores what's already known. Wow. And he was, <laughs> by doing it, it's not just the bribe, but the fire law. And so, like I said, we're we're in for some interesting months coming up, are we not? We are. Oh. And, you know, it's interesting that this week from the Devin Archer thing, so many things are coming along that are being laid out. You know, I mentioned yesterday with the indictments coming down on Trump on the January 6th thing that the timing, you know, it was very clear. You had the, the stuff that was just ramping up and 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 really coming together on the the whole Biden thing. Well, inevitably, they were going to act on Trump. You, you're just going to have to. Yeah, but Trump, that was that's what happened this week with the special prosecutor. And the problem with that is, is that it exposes even further this two-tier justice system. We just lined it out once again. That by their own standards, they'll go after nothing and they will ignore, again, something that you can easily make the case on if you're going to use your own same standards. Let me ask this. Let's take it a, a, a bit further. Uh, where where we see now when it comes to, uh, you know, Ukraine mm. and uh, uh, Burisma yeah. and where it's going and the possibility of the, the bribe, is everybody who was involved in impeachment number one and did it as Nancy, Pol- or excuse me, as, as, as uh, uh, oh, what Nadler said, mm. he said, what you're doing is unconstitutional. Remember, he said that to Nancy Pelosi and right. Adam Schiff. Right. What you're doing is unconstitutional. You're not letting the opposition call witnesses right. and do everything else. Right. Well, now that we know that what Trump was talking about is his is now is now clear that something nefarious was going on. Right. If they can actually, if they get the tapes from. The, uh, the president of the Burisma. Burisma. Yeah. Right. They get the tapes. Yeah. Does by the Jack Smith standard of Trump defrauding the U.S. government is everybody who was involved in that impeachment? Because you and I have said this for a long time. Was the impeachment about the fact that Trump was getting too close? He was too close to the fire. Yeah. Because who took that? Who took that information? Who was on that? By the way, fairly highly populated phone call between. Trump and Zelensky, the CIA officer 
who was assigned to Biden and Ukraine when Biden was vice president, was still there and was on that phone call when Trump was talking to Zelensky. He took that information to Adam Schiff's office. That's not a coincidence. It didn't just happenstance. It really feels like to me he was getting too close to the fire. He mentioned something specific that freaked that CIA officer out because he knew the details. He knew what had been going on. Keep in mind, there was a reason Joe Biden wasn't the nominee in 2016. Everybody inside the Beltway that had any power while he was vice president understood the concerns and the risk he was to the party. Yeah, the Obama administration knew Yep. It. So all interesting things. And all everything we're talking about yep. is, again, by the Democrats' standard yep. that Jack Smith set up Absolutely. that Democrats apparently all yep. agree with. Right. So we're just trying to be consistent We're applying here. their standard. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, our uh, credit rating was downgraded. Darn it. Here in the United States, which means things are going to get more expensive. Uh-huh. The interest on the debt is going to rise more. The uh, possibility of more government cutbacks uh, is, is, uh, is coming. One of the things that I thought was interesting, and this is uh, the, uh, the uh, credit rating company, Fitch Downgraded, uh, the credit rating of the United States. Mm. Um, number one, uh, you know, when you talk about the uh, how how much more we're going to have to pay because now the United States is more of a credit risk, which means right. there's going to be more of a demand that we're not going to buy Treasury bills unless you, you know, right. raise the interest the, rate, the interest rate right. which is probably in the next couple of years going to put that alone over a trillion dollars. And we talked about that, touched on it last week, about, you know, the other interest rate hike that comes along that's not part of what the Fed is doing. Yep. And we hit on that, and here we are. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. 
All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Uh, well, only the second time in history, first time in 2011, uh, the uh, Fitch has uh, downgraded uh, the credit rating of the United States. I, I, Wall Street Journal probably has it correct in their headline. Did you see this? Mm. Fitch downgrades America. The rating agency may be too optimistic about the U.S. No, fiscal uh, that's future. A great point. <laughs> uh, that's a great point um, because I look at it sometimes, and I think you you go back because you and I, wow, we broke down everything uh, the, uh, the 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 housing and, and and real estate market fallout and and crash two thousand nine and broke that down and went all the way back to. Well, the article September 30th, 1999 in the New York Times that warned uh, what a subprime lending market would do. And we we often questioned the I don't know if it's the analytical skills or just the system that is set up in order to, you know, in terms of the rating, how, how you rate in, in this case. Uh, they rate the U.S. or or any of them that are that are giving us our rating, right? Because when we talked about bundling those mortgages, yeah, well, they all had AAA ratings, and they all had it, it, well, of course they did. They had the implied backing of the U.S. government through Fannie and Freddie. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I, I just I thought that I, it popped into my mind, yeah. of course, to current day. Well, yeah, they didn't say it directly, but it had the implied guarantee of the United States. Hunter had the implied guarantee of his father. <laughs> of <his> father. <laughs> well, exactly. I know it's two different He's things, got, but that popped into well, my mind. What, well, you know, it's like the question, where did he get the expertise? Well, his brother, his dad. Mm. No, no, no. Let's let's stay with his dad. Yeah. It's it wasn't expertise. Uh right. it was the it was the right. direct line to him. But no, in this case, all right. Um, they make a good point, the Wall Street Journal. They may be too optimistic because I guess my question is, are they scoring it like the CBO office or are they scoring it <laughs> based on what they have in place right now? Because so much of it, if you think about where we are with the economy, um, with uh, monetary policy, and we, we touched on this last week that and I forget uh, the, the article that I that I mentioned. But it was talking about monetary policy, and then you get into the real interest rate uh, hikes, and this is what we could be seeing now. Okay, the the, the credit rating of the U.S. now has dropped, which means you're going to have to bump up that interest rate in order to attract others if you want them buying those treasury bills. And that could be here for a long time, but... Are they slow rolling this drop in the credit? You know, I mean, uh, I I have to wonder because we're we are at that point. The very real point of dealing with now because higher interest rates. Uh, the greater risk in terms of being able to service the interest on the national debt. And we said when we get to a point where we can no longer service the interest just the interest on the national debt that's the tipping point and that's the 
well, massive I, hole I, I think, in the dam. I think the tipping point comes before that. I think the tipping point comes when America realizes that things have to be cut. Well, that's it. That's, I, yeah, because that, that would you, be not, the warning not, yeah, not, of, not, of what, yeah. what's going down. Uh, because you would have to have, a, you know, for example, if we start getting a trillion, trillion and a half, two trillion dollars in debt, that has to be paid every year. Mm-hmm. That has to be paid. Right. You're not going to raise taxes that much more in order to cover what the government has to cut. That's right. why we have stated right. before. Anybody who sits there and says, and remember, and this this is this is a fault of Democrats and Republicans, and I'm talking about the voter who believes that we can solve the debt problem by cutting foreign aid and wasteful spending. It's way out of control. One of the one of the problems is that that now everything that Fitch said wasn't wasn't true. Some of it was completely and totally bogus. We'll get to that in a uh, in in in, uh, in in a moment. Uh, uh, but what they said is growth. We're spending so quickly that growth can't catch up. Doesn't matter if we still have economic growth. Spending is so out of control that we can't catch up. The bogus part of what they said. Uh, let me just get it here where it said. Um, uh, the rating downgrade, this is a quote, the rating downgrade of the United States reflects the expected fiscal deterioration over the next three years, a high and growing general government debt burden, and the erosion of governance relative to AA versus AAA rated peers over the last two decades that has manifested in repeated debt limit standoffs and last minute resolutions. That's a load of horse manure from Fitch because what they're stay- saying, and I agree with the Wall Street Journal, that's bogus. Because that's the only thing that showed any type of fiscal restraint. Right. What Fitch yeah. is saying is, and 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 then the the Yellen and and the Biden administration basically said the solution is we're having a, our debts too great, and Yellen came out and actually said the the solution to the problem is more debt. Well, no, I, austerity not, is austerity. Right. Typically, would be the right thing to do. Right. Now, if you start mentioning any kind of austerity or trying to fix the problem or going the opposite direction, we're going to, well, sorry, that that's not the answer. So we it, need to spend more. But, I mean, so Fitch says the credit raters aren't perfect oracles from the Wall Street Journal. We don't agree with Fitch's complaint about debt limit standoffs since that's been the only uh, the only recent times when anyone in Washington considers spending restraint. So it's like your credit card's out of control. Mm-hmm. And the bank is comes to you and says, "Look, you've got a problem because you know you're making the minimum payment, but and, we be- and you've hit your limit, right? You've hit your limit, and we believe that you're having problems making the the the, the minimum payment." Now we heard that you and your spouse are talking about the fact of you know the 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 fact that you can't borrow any money anymore. Well, we're going to lower your credit rating because you're, the consideration is you want to have less credit. I mean, right. that's how insane it is. But then they go to here. Here, here it is. Uh, Democrats are attacking Fitch, and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen criticized the decision as arbitrary and based on outdated data. Outdated. Her own department on Monday increased the government's expected borrowing from July to September, just July to September, to one trillion dollars from seven hundred and thirty-three billion. That's just for three months. The budget expectation or the borrowing expectation is now $100 billion more a month. 
just for three months, and she just said that on Monday. Wow. Uh, And she also claims, listen to this, that governance has improved under President Biden, citing the infrastructure bill and other investments in America's competitiveness. She must be joking, since when is blowout spending a credit recommendation? I mean, it's completely, so you're sitting there and it's like, the the doctor comes to you and says, you gotta quit smoking. Mm-hmm. And your solution to the doctor is, you know, you're right. We need to do something about this. I'm smoking a pack a day. I need to quit smoking. So I'm going to smoke three packs a day. That's the response from the government. Yeah. Complete insanity. Yeah, it is. And it's, it shouldn't be a surprise. At all. Because you really can't get full control of the capital and ultimately the means of production until you break the hell out of it. As they write here, and, and what are we what are they spending the borrowing the money on? This is the other thing too, as they point out here, and, and I'll delve a little bit more into the even how far the Wall Street Journal goes. The E V subsidies in the hilarious named no. Inflation Reduction Act were scored at a cost of fourteen billion, but Goldman Sachs Estimates they will cost three hundred and ninety-three billion yeah. because the subsidies are open-ended. Think Goldman that. estimates that the climate spending will cost one point two trillion, three times the CBO's estimate. Now the problem with this is the government is borrowing money that we are we are day by day paying more interest on that money. What they claim we're going to be spending, they way underestimated. So we have to borrow more money on it. And that money is going into, that money is going to industries that still can't make a profit on what they produce because nobody wants to buy the damn thing because the economy doesn't work by the centralized government saying, these are the products that we wish you to buy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. So the companies can't make the profit. So the government is going into massive debt, more interest on it, to give that money to corporations that still can't make a money on the products that the government is forcing them to make. That's the insanity that we're living in right now, but it's what the American people have wanted. Understand that. Maybe not you. You're a conservative. Not me, not Eric, but maybe not you. But the vast majority of the voter has been behind this. And Republicans ought to have been, ought to have been screaming yesterday. I didn't hear much. Well, no, we're borrowing money to flush it down the toilet. toilet. To flush it, yep. That's it, insane. It, it's it's absolute pure insanity that we're and everything is. I mean, that's where we are now. Everything is insane. I was reading something the other day. People are just turning off the news because everything's insane. Oh yeah, that'll make it better. Uh huh. Yeah, ignore it. Yeah. No, don't, actually, don't, they they would love you to not. Yeah. Don't, don't object to it. Do exactly what they want. Exactly. Ignore it. Just go, I hope I get my share. Right. Yeah, that'll work for you. Yeah, I'm sure it'll all work out. Uh, coming up, we'll, uh, we'll see uh, Kevin O'Leary uh, from uh, was on Fox News yesterday and talked mm. about it. We'll get to that coming up. But, I mean, just you, you read this and you're just like, you just throw your hands up. Yesterday, remember yesterday, we had one of our uh, listeners say, could you give us some hope? We gave you some hope. 
Yeah. Not, <laughs> it's on, all gone. not on this topic. That hope's yeah. gone. Not, yeah. not, not on this topic. Well, and because tell me where the turnaround's going to be. Tell me where that is. It, it's like when we talk about these cities where they defunded the police and now uh, crime is skyrocketing. Uh, tell me where the turnaround is, is in San Francisco. What, a bunch of Republican conservatives in San Francisco are going to be elected to city council and the mayor's office? You think that? No. Where's the turnaround? There isn't one. No, there isn't turnaround in, it will, in, in, in that it, or the federal it, government. No, it there. will implode fully and completely. They're trying to step out of the way of it. I wouldn't try and reach out and catch a falling knife either. Thanks for the tragically hip reference. Mm-hmm. Fully and completely. Yeah. One of their albums. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I thought. I'm going to go, he just talked about the hip. And so uh, no. here we are. Here we are. on this massive scale. But it goes back a long, long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's school lunches. Yeah, there's too much fat. We're going to cut them in your school. No, no, you're not. Well, they weren't actually going to cut it. They were going to reduce the rate Mm -hmm. of growth and make. Yeah, exactly. And and make make the the richest schools pay more of it because it you know the because the school lunches are subsidized across mm-hmm. the board mm-hmm. but it was that was the first indication i had and that was goes goes back and i was still relatively new as a talk show host goes back to what 94 95 i believe right because right. i'd only been in talk radio for five or six years when uh, they pulled the republicans and the republicans said no this is when the republicans wanted to reduce the rate of growth of uh of medicaid and uh school lunches right and uh or medicare and it was like, well, you're going yeah. to starve. You you want to kill old people and 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 starve kids. Mm-hmm. And the Republicans came out and said uh, the vast majority of Republicans thought the school lunch program was a great program for the federal government to be involved in. And I said, well, if that's the case, if you believe that the federal government should be involved, if Republicans believed back then that the federal government should be involved in taking your tax dollars, running it through the bureaucracy, and then mm-hmm. sending it back to subsidize every single school lunch, even in the richest schools, and you believe that's a good program, we're going to end up right where we are right now. Yep, here we are. 86690-RED-EYE. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website. For more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Let's uh, hear from Kevin O'Leary on right. 
the United States credit rating being downgraded. And most people just probably ignore a story like this, not knowing how it's going to impact them. And one of the things I was reading, I think it was uh, one of the business magazines here. Let me just see very quickly before we even get to that. Um, Let me see. It was uh, the Business Times Mm. talked about the fact of how people can't move out of their homes. You know, people, you know, they want to move out, but the fact is they have very low-rate mortgages and they can't afford to buy a new home. Right. And so that means the inventory of homes that are available for sale, uh, you know, are are going down because people can't afford to move because, and now this is even going to make it worse on your your mortgage. Mm. Uh, But uh, here's Kevin O'Leary talking about what this means. Well, it's really about government and policy. There's no way to sugarcoat this at all. It's bad. And I'll tell you how you measure it's bad. Basically, when you downgrade the U.S. economy, which is what this downgrading is, you are losing a little faith in the U.S. dollar and the U.S. Treasury bill because the the default currency of the world, defined by every commodity priced by U.S. dollars, is the good faith of the U.S. government. And the whole world trusts it. Most sovereign funds keep the majority of their liquidity in U.S. dollars. That got hurt 24 hours ago because now you start to ask yourself, well, where is this going? A downgrade from AAA to AA, Mm -hmm. does it go to single A? Now, if you're a sovereign wealth fund, you start to put that in your mind. And the bottom line for you and me is the cost of capital goes up. In other words, what it costs for us to borrow money to fund the government in deficit goes up. No sugarcoating that. Now, how does this actually affect the next 24 months? Well, let me explain. Think about the CHIPS Act and the Inflation Reduction Act. We're printing billions of dollars. Government claims it has merit. It's important to do this. But at the same time, that's just a lot of spending, and that increases the deficit. And that's why Finch did this. They downgraded it. And I wouldn't say it was the two bills that you know, uh, caused the camel's back to be broken, but it was enough for them to say, okay, I've seen enough. Now, for me and you... Or anybody at a kitchen table in America, your car loan just went up from five to somewhere between seven and nine percent. Really? That's not going to help. So the cost of your loan and your borrowing and your mortgage going up, period. Mm. Yep. You you wonder how it's going to affect you. you, Everything will be more expensive because it's more expensive. Anybody that's trying to get capital, and now interest rates are going to go up significantly. And this is all because... We believe that government can provide things for us free. We've seen inflation and what that has done to the American household budget. And now you're seeing what government spending is, you know, how it affects you now when it comes to the interest rates that you have to pay and future government, future government benefits that you expected to get may now be less. Right. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, and I'm Gary McNamara. And I know that you know when you 
see things like that. Most people say, oh, that's Wall Street uh, uh, news. You know, I have no interest in it. Mm-hmm. You know, things like the credit rating. But uh, it's going to affect every single American, which is why I'm glad Kevin O'Leary said, okay, here's what it means. Yeah. <laughs> if you're paying 5% for an auto loan, it's now going to be 7 to 9%. Yeah. yeah. And mortgages are going to uh, go up. The cost of everything, because when the interest rate goes up, the cost of everything goes up because so much is financed in the corporate world, uh, small business loans, you name it, everything uh, will uh, will go up in uh, will go up in price. It's something that for years, I mean, probably one of the frustrating things when you sit and you do this every day and you understand basic economics, which isn't that hard to understand. I mean, it's not this isn't it really isn't rocket science. And knowing that we were eventually going to get to this place and talking about it and really, you know, you know, as a talk show host, and I'm not talking about uh, any of our listeners, but the vast majority of people didn't care as long as they got what they thought was their stuff or they could get free stuff. Oh, sure. They were okay with it. Right. And now, you know, inevitably, you know, it's sort of like the whole defund the police and cops there was no other place we were going to get to than we are right now. Yeah. And yeah. there is no other reaction that's expected than we got from the government, which is, all right, we're being told that we have this huge problem now. We're borrowing much too much, <laughs> way too much money than we should be borrowing. And this is going to affect it. Now we're going to have to pay more of an interest rate, which is going to cut into the budget. Yeah, And and yeah, we, we understand yeah. as a government, we can't tax. Really, we can't tax. We can't grow the government. So our only solution is to borrow more money. Was there any criticism? Did the Was there a public outrage when that was basically the answer from the government yesterday? No. 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 That, nobody... And so that's one of the problems is, and uh, that's why I mentioned that I read that things are getting so bad that people are just turning off the news. Well, that'll solve the problem. Well, it's I'll interesting. I'll just pretend it's not happening. Right. Uh, so uh, CNBC has a piece on uh, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon. He calls the Fitch ratings U.S. downgrade ridiculous and says it doesn't really matter. He says it's ridiculous that other countries have higher credit ratings than the U.S. when they depend on the stability created by the U.S. and its military. Well, that's the whole point, stability. Now, what he says is it doesn't really matter because the markets, it's the market, not rating agencies, that determines borrowing costs. Mm, Not completely. There is some fluctuation and competition in the marketplace, no doubt. But he's the one that talked about the diminishing savings, right? Remember that last yeah, year? Right. And said by the summer of 23, by the end of the summer of 23, and here we are, that those savings were going to be depleted. So what he's talking about is the market, right? So then what happens is that what is the market? Well, the market is borrowers and lenders. Well, the borrower now... According to him, on the average, has a lot less in savings. They have a greater need. What does that mean? They're a greater risk. So let's say that the market, it's the market that determines it. Mm, that's not. I think that's a broad statement. 
and I disagree with that as a, as a whole, it is in part. But what happens when the market then starts to assess that, that borrower on the average? Again, if they have less in savings and a greater need to borrow, they're a greater risk, which means they're going to be a higher well, interest rate just based on their own standing. Well, but I, I think a point that he's missing is, and, and, and again, I sort of agree with the Wall Street Journal saying they didn't go far enough. Our situation is more dire. Yeah. The recognition of a credit agency of the problems that you have isn't part of that, at least market-based. They're not well, just well, that, they're, right. they're not yes. they're not just your I ability. Mean, right. The, the U.S. No. as a whole, right. our ability right. uh, uh, fiscally uh, uh, to sustain this. So that's what they're right. that's what they're saying. Right. And that's so that is so it is that's market. And, and, and this is with the criticism that we have of some of the Fitch analysis. The yeah, Fitch analysis right. that because we got close, you know, to we didn't get close to default, but we got close to having to shut down portions of the government but mm-hmm. we're still we weren't near default we were never going to be at default yeah. ever right and so for them to bring that up that that was a problem when that is the only way that we're showing fiscal restraint and Fitch is saying the problem is we're borrowing too much money that was almost contradictory in that statement that they made it didn't it doesn't make any damn sense and you know what Every, by the way does mm-hmm. everybody have to bs well you all know, the time you know what Jamie Diamond said about that part of it Here's the quote. Quote, we should get rid of the debt ceiling. It's used by both parties. End quote. And he's talking about sowing uncertainty into the markets because of the debt ceiling. And they, well, we should just quit talking about the debt. We should just quit. Do away with the debt ceiling. Good, Jamie. Then- and that's going to do away with the problem. Good. Then get away. Then get away. I shouldn't have a credit limit on my credit card. Exactly. Run your bank that way. Right. No limit on the credit card. Quit uh, quit judging people uh, it, it, market-based. <laughs> J.P. Morgan Chase should quit judging people based on their income and their ability to pay. All credit rating services should go away and banks should not use credit rating right. services right. whatsoever. There should be no judgment as to the credit risk of anyone. That's right. The left wants equity. Let's go. Right. <laughs> no credit limits. Everybody Democrats, is going to be in that's the... one. You... No, yeah. no credit limits and no credit ratings used to judge anybody's credit. That's right. Ready? By the way. Everybody hold, go. Wait, what, hold it. What would interest rates be if you did that? Interest rates would go through the roof. Nine million percent. <laughs> I mean, it would go through and the that's a conservative <laughs> estimate. <laughs> Nine million percent. I mean, loan sharks would be going, God, now we're competitive. Yeah. As long <laughs> as you come <laughs> see me by Tuesday. <laughs> loan sharks would be saying, actually, we have a better handle on the credit risk of our customer than the banks do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, I'm only going to take one leg from you. They're going to take. They're going to take your skin <laughs> and your firstborn. I mean, it just it, you, you just you 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 the shake your head at the idiocy. Well, no, this is the this is where they are. And, I and, joked and, years but, ago. By the way, I know what Diamond's trying to do. Yeah, 
Well, anything that causes anything that causes uncertainty, the turmoil right, right now, the, the we, conflicts, right, and yeah. the, the the conflict right now or the uncertainty right now, get rid of. But that's not looking at it long term. Well, because long term you can't do that. But what is the conflict about? Borrowing too much damn money, being fiscally responsible or not. Those are your two directions. By the way, I just I shot myself in the head just because yeah. it's getting to be so <laughs> well, insane. Well, it's that. just and, and I joked years about uh, years ago about I, man, what's the first time I said that? I think they should just do away with the debt ceiling. When we <laughs> talked about it over the years, it's like now nah, just go up to a hundred trillion. And the the joke was about look, they're not serious. It's going to get there eventually anyway. Quit bothering us with the details. And of course, that was tongue in cheek. When you get very serious about it, because you, if you look at it with serious eyes, with you, if you look at it with reasonable eyes, it's as serious as it gets. And to say the debt ceiling should be gone because of the whole back and forth, both parties use it. I don't even know what that means. Here's the, here's the thing. I don't believe either party is serious about the national debt. But why is that? Because the public is. Because we are not serious. Yeah. The members of Congress, when we used to hear, and we don't get it as much anymore, well, Congress isn't doing the will of the people. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Certainly are. You talked about it when you started your um, uh, talk show career. Um, and you come on the air. He, uh, hear ye, hear ye. What were they talking about then? The whole big sweep, right? Yeah, it was a big. It was uh, the 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 big sweep in my first year being a talk show host. Where and that was people were actually outside uh, eighty nine ninety probably because yeah. I got in eighty nine, so it probably was ninety. Mm. And there was this whole pro. It was the last protest I remember about debt when all over the nation and people were outside congressional offices all over the country with brooms. We need a clean sweep of the people because the debt was too bad. That's the last protest i've ever remembered national protest not well any protest of actually the debt and i remember because i remember going out and i mean it was actually hilarious because i went and and this was uh uh i I had started my talk radio career in niagara falls and so the listeners were telling me hey there's a big thing going on you got to show up Mm -hmm. so i showed up and it was there's probably a hundred people outside the congressional office all with brooms these big brooms and they're yeah. sweeping the steps. I yeah. mean, it was, it was funny. It was actually pretty funny. And and um, but they were they were you know they were serious. There was a concern. You don't have that today. Well, think about it. Um, the GOP in 2016, we're going to do away with Obamacare. They win, and then in 2017 in office, oh well, we're not going to. We're just going to do away with the part that we, you pay for it. We're going right. to keep the other stuff. Which right. is to say, we'll borrow, and that was, we'll, we'll borrow more money, and Republicans were okay with and it. And that's because their base was screaming, don't you dare do away with the handouts. But is the answer, do away with the debt ceiling? Yeah, that, that's, the, that's, how you, that's how you solve debt problems, is uh, simply say, Quit oh. talking about it, right? That's what he's saying. Yeah, you're uh... quit talking about your debt problem and you won't have one. That's what the Democrats right now have been saying about a number of things. Quit talking about inflation going up. Remember that? Quit talking about how inflation is going up. 
It, it, inflation's not going. It's inflation's going up because, going up you're, because talking you're talking about, about, it. about it. Yeah. And what he's basically saying is the back and forth about interest rates or, or about uh, uh, the the spending, the, the debt ceiling, is the problem. The talk is the problem. You know, I, I look at it, and, I, and uh, I, I know both of us have great credit ratings. On every one of my credit cards, there's a credit limit. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, well, I've said the only time I was ever, I remember one time that uh, I think I had to get, a, I wasn't making a lot of money. I had a 1500 uh, you know, repair bill. Mm. And cre- you know what a credit problem is for me? I mean, my mentality is having, you know, not being able to pay off the balance every month. Yeah. Right. And it took me like four months to pay it off. Mm-hmm. It was back years ago. Years, years, years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely panicking when I saw the interest rate. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm not a credit problem. Neither are you. Yet no, there's no. credit limits set on what we can borrow, even though I've never been near the credit limit, and I pay off the balance every single month. Right. And it's based and, on. And, 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 I, and I use them because I'm really big. I don't have to be, but it's so ingrained in me. I'll sit there and go, oh, I've got this big purchase. All right, where's the cycle of my credit card right now? Mm. Oh, this one just billed me yesterday. Oh, then I'm going to put it on that one, and I've got almost 60 days to pay it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I still have that mentality. That's right. never gone away. I don't need to do that, but it's just the mentality. But still. But the credit, assessment credit is based there. on your ability to pay. Yeah. And, you know, we can talk about this, you know, drop in the U.S. credit rating. But the fact of the matter is that that is not as relevant as the lack of will to do something about it by the American people. There's your real credit rating. And that's what everybody else looks at. They can see that they hit an iceberg. No, they're still dancing. No, that's a great that's a that's a great point. It's not only if a credit rating looking at what government's doing, but what is the will of the people to right. solve the problem? Right. And you wonder if there were protests outside of congressional offices, like when I first became a talk show host, right after Paul Revere, mm. you know, was yes. yelling the British were coming. Right. But uh, uh, so I think it was ninety was the clean sweep. Mm. But but at yeah. that point, credit ratings could look at it. The people are really upset about it, mm. and it looks like the other party is going to get in that, and there'll be more fiscal restraint. Right. You have a better credit rating. Right. Eight six six ninety red eye. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. Coming up uh, following the top of the hour, something that everybody will want us to uh, to talk about and get into, uh, you know, the minutia uh, of it and probably spend 20 hours on it. U.S. women's soccer. <laughs> yeah, uh, the rest of our show will be dedicated <laughs> to that. Now, there will be a comment on that on right. controversy over the last couple of days. All right. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Oh, getting interesting. Yeah. <laughs> the the uh, uh, U.S. women's uh, soccer team that, uh, of course, is causing controversy because of majority, you know, basically ignoring the Star Spangled Banner when it comes on and all that. And right, right. I could care less. I mean, that's, you know, to get me to watch soccer would be you know, men's or women's would mm. be um, almost a miracle. Right. To begin with. But uh, former uh, U.S. women's soccer star uh, Carly Lloyd, who's now an analyst, just blasted them. Apparently, they got into the they they got through the preliminary round. Uh, They won one game and then the next two were ties, including Mm -hmm. a scoreless tie. Mm -hmm. And so uh, she attacked them and went after them and just said, they don't have the mentality. They don't have the winning mentality. There's too many other things that they care about. They seem to care more about the celebrity than they do winning a game. You know the the uh, the the game. And she just thought that the celebration after a zero zero tie was just out of it. And they don't have the mentality to do it. She didn't. It said they. She backed off. She didn't back off because she said, uh, you know, I I when I when I saw her, it wasn't like the Mia Culpas that you you see, she just said, hey, you know, I'm just so passionate about women's soccer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that, and, and uh, you know, I was on the soccer team. She was on for, like, what, man, like 15 years. Mm. She was on a long time. But I just thought that it raised a great question that I'd seen on social media yesterday. <laughs> because when you go to the blogs, because whenever it comes up, I mean, it's one of the things that has gone viral, you know, what the U.S. women's soccer team is doing and not really, you know, getting excited about the star-spangled banner and, you know, the questions on social media. Why do, Why are you playing for the USA? Right. Just go pro. Right. If you basically are spitting on the USA and you think the USA is evil, why are you playing for the team? Right. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, there are people saying, well, they should sing the Star Spangled Banner. I disagree with it. Not only should they not sing the Star Spangled Banner, but they should get up there and tell America why they're really there. We hate the United States. I'm Megan Rapino. I hate the United States. I hate women's soccer. I think men should be playing it. Right. <laughs> and I hate the United States. And so I'm playing for myself. And I'm playing for the fact that maybe I can get... Uh, you know, more money in endorsements. I really don't yeah. give a damn about play. Be honest with the American people. Don't sugarcoat it. Right. I go the opposite of the people who say they should be singing the Star Spangled Banner. I don't want them to lie or fake. No. Let They me. are who they are. Yes. And love is love. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how that applies. It, <laughs> But Rapino is when when I heard you know she's retiring or whatever, and I thought okay, so she can go make money. She's she's leaving soccer, <laughs> so she can actually women's soccer, so she can go make money. Oh, she's been on it for a while, you know. And so 
there's there's been questions whether she should even be playing for the right because she's older right but but but, but, but again, the idea I, I don't know. is I don't. but but she's but you know that's the first thing that hit me is that look you're not supporting if you're not supporting the game if you're not into it and you're not into the US I've seen that before I don't need to get outraged at you know the the women's soccer team or anybody else. I mean, I, I've seen that. I know what that is. I don't. I also don't. By the way, you know one of the things that came around for um, for football. Really, if you think about it, Demar Hamlin and his situation kind of changed the tone from some of the liberal uh, media types that were covering football when he talked about his faith. Oh. Just seen him in the press conference the other day. Yeah, every every other word yeah. out of his mouth. And so when when you see that, it's like the people understand it. They, but also for those who are watching women's soccer, when they look at it, where I I I get it. I've seen that before. Protesting the U.S. Yawn. I don't care. Doesn't impress me. Now, I did bring up the question on social media yesterday. Are you unpatriotic for not cheering for an unpatriotic U.S. women's soccer team? (laughs) What I like, though, in social media, the people that say, you have to care. They're representing America. No, they're not. They're representing themselves. Actually, they're not. (laughs) They're not. They're not. Like. And nobody should try and make that case. They're, they don't represent the U.S. Yeah, me, if I'm playing for the United States, mm-hmm. man, I'm draped in the flag. Mm-hmm. I'm Jim Craig. For those who don't know, Jim Craig was, <laughs> to me, it's, for us, it's so normal. Jim Craig, the goalie for the U.S. Olympic hockey team in mm-hmm. 1980. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he draped himself in the flag after. I mean, that would be right. me. I'd be running all over the place. I'll never forget that image, by the way. It's it's yeah. ingrained. Yeah, not just because you see it a lot still today, but you know it, when it comes when the anniversary comes up. What way. I think about is is uh, 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 Jack O'Callaghan with his hands raised up. Basically, <laughs> he's uh, on the ground. Is Mike Ramsey the defenseman? And there's uh, Jack O'Callaghan with his hands up in the air, and and uh, Mike Ramsey's laying on the ice. Mm. That's the and the, everybody's <laughs> behind him. That's the photo. Yeah. That I mean, yeah. that is. So, and then yeah. to me, that's the number one photo, just because of the intensity of that moment. And then Jim Craig looking up the where the where he's got the flag draped over him, looking up to see if he can see his father. Yeah, in the, in the stands. I mean, yeah. that was. But yeah, I mean, that's the kind. That's the kind of stuff I want to see. Otherwise, don't. Don't play for the USA. Right. I don't know. I represent the United States, but I hate him. So I'm just going to be. You don't I, represent I'm, the U.S. You play soccer. Yeah. I'm going to have this very uh, snarky attitude. Mm-hmm. Constant. That's what I mean. I'm going to yeah. be snarky all the time. Yeah. But what I like is the 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 point person, the most well-known person, is Megan Rapino on the U.S. women's soccer team, and right before they play, she states that men should be able to play women's soccer. Right. She doesn't believe in the. She doesn't believe in her own 
sport. I know. That, I mean, that's the ultimate. It's like, so, oh, that's really a great marketing thing. Eh, United States sucks. And you know something? I hate women's soccer. Men should be able to play it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I get out of it. Yeah, on her way out the door. Not not, not as a new player coming in. <laughs> right. Not as a rookie. <laughs> on her way out the door. <laughs> I'm here to grow women's soccer as long as men can play. That's right. <laughs> ah! <laughs> How yeah. many times have I done that today? I'm on yeah. every topic, it's... <laughs> And yes, the finger is pointed at my head when I say and, that. And and quite frankly, they don't deserve the outrage. Not from me. Nah. If somebody else nah. wants to be angry about it, they can be angry about it. They can do whatever they're gonna do. Been there. But done they that. didn't you're not are you gonna are you gonna force them to be patriotic? You can't. No. And I'm not gonna spend my time or energy doing that. It's not gonna happen. I've seen it before. I know what I'm looking at. I know what in this case, not looking at. <laughs> well, yeah, they're not going to get my support. I, 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 and and I look, I in '99 uh, when they when remember when they beat China. I mean, that mm-hmm. was a great. Uh, that was great. I watched that game. Mm-hmm. I don't think I probably watched any of the other games, but right. even the documentary on that one. I mean, right. that was you know yeah. with Mia Hamm and everybody else. I mean, mm-hmm. that was just mm-hmm. that was that was uh, you know that was pure greatness. But mm-hmm. sorry if you play for the. I, if you play for Canada, I expect to see you cheering with, I expect the maple leaf all over you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's just the, the thing that you expect. And there's this thing of, you know, it's the, uh, what, it, what it is, I think, for so many young people is they don't realize how good they have it. When you've always had something, mm-hmm. you know, we came, yeah. most of us came from parents that lived through the Depression, mm-hmm. went through World War II. Mm-hmm. You know, and the sacrifice that people went through in World War Two. Yeah, I mean, and and the sac- and and what they went through through the depression. Now, it's a great point. And, um, you and know the, that it's it, it is because both of my parents born during the depression. Your dad uh, uh, lived through. He would would have been a young child during the depression. Yeah, you know, he was, and he yeah. remembers that. Yeah, I mean, he, he remembers World War Two. Twenty six, he was born. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, he, you know, hit his, uh, in 36, he was 10 years old. And then, yeah. you know, that's so he would, yeah. uh, he went, you know, he went through, uh, you know, he remembers it. He, yeah. re- he remembers, I was talking about the fact that he remembers the, uh, Orson Welles or the worlds in 39. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they, they all went through that and they know what, you know, what being without is, is like. And, and the other thing is, and, and I don't know why it was almost an epiphany when I watched the History Channel. Remember the series, The Men Who Made America? Mm-hmm. And and I started thinking about, you know, the just the mid-1800s and looking, you know, when you, the Industrial Revolution really started going in this, you know, country. And then the next, you know, 50 years, what happened? Yeah. And the, you realize that what people didn't have, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of lives they lived. When I read a book on uh, Lewis and Clark, they talked about the fact in the late 1700s that something that that was not that still is not effectively communicated to our the generations of today is everybody was constantly scared of dying. Right. Yeah. Because everybody was a laborer. Didn't matter who you were, you were a laborer. Sure. You did farm work. And if you got a cut, you could die. 
if you broke a leg, you could die. Injuries that aren't even thought about as serious, you died. Right. And and it's like that has never been effectively communicated to modern society what it was even like 150, 200 years, you know, 150 to 250 years ago. That the fact is, and I remember after, you know, watching the, the men who built America, I went, wow. Except for having like more property and bigger homes. We all. The average person lives like a billionaire from 150 years ago, what we have. Yeah. We live like, and it's all because of technology. Very little suffering, even even with the things that, you know, the things if you, you know, you look at the economic downturns that we have had, the quality of life that the average American has lived and the gen- generations of today, their grandparents or great-grandparents are dead. The stories aren't even being told on how tough it is. You know, diseases, the diseases it used to kill. Oh, yeah. You know, my my, my father, I mean, you talk about my dad who's still alive. I mean, he can relate, you know, the fact of how people were scared of polio. Well, even the technology in modern ages, uh, you know, since the 60s and 70s and even more recent, that has accelerated treatment uh or in some cases even cured situations oh yeah the technology you know so you've always had the situation where there was so little worry you didn't and also little sacrifice to get there when my dad remember when my dad was a teenager antibiotics didn't exist Mm -hmm. can you imagine a world without antibiotics right and then in beginning of world war ii is when the sulfur drugs came out the penicillin didn't come i don't believe uh i don't believe till near the end of the war Think about that. I mean, this, and so we live in a we live in such luxury compared to generations of the past, and their struggles always could be told to the next gen. Parents could tell their kids, "Well, we haven't had that." You know, my life, my life has been great because of technology. Well, you're you know, even those as after the phone was in every house, you still had to go to a house or somewhere to call. Exactly. Now you've got it in your hand. Right. Every, if there's a if there's an accident, if there's an emergency, yeah. wherever you're standing, you can call for help. And and the fact is, we haven't fought a major, you know, like a World War II. Mm-hmm. And so generations don't they just assume that everything is everything is there and everything should be there. Mm-hmm. Money should be there. Uh, uh, life should be easy. Uh, 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 you know, for you. That, uh, uh, you know, they're taught that the society they live in is evil. Well, they don't even understand, as we've talked about before, they don't even understand what makes our country great, our Constitution. They don't even understand the majority of Americans don't, and it's much greater as you get to younger generations, don't even understand about the three branches of government and the separation of powers. They don't even understand what makes us different than China or Russia. They have no idea. They have no clue. They're operating on ignorance, and they're a bunch of spoiled brats. Right. Walking around going, I've got everything. I want everything. I'm entitled to everything, and I don't get exactly what I want. We suck, and we're no better than anybody else. Well, actually, we are. Right. And that's not based on arrogance. It's based on understanding the system that we live under and the genius of it. 
and they don't. And so when you got a bunch of spoiled brats that play, you know, on the U.S. women's soccer team who don't appreciate the country that they came from, that's to be expected. It's what we have. It's what we have nurtured. Yep. In many cases. Yep. And in many cases, there are other athletes that are not like that. There are many athletes that are professional that are not like that. You just happen to have in the influence of U.S. women's soccer where they come across as a bunch of, you know, arrogant snobs who don't appreciate what they have. Exceptionalism can't be taught. It's the wrong thing. You can't even have those thoughts anymore. So it's no wonder that they know nothing about it. They haven't lived through it. They haven't been taught it. And this is where we are. I mean, not all of them, but many of them. You want me to cheer them on? I can't change how they think. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Friday Radio. He's our Curly, and I'm Gary McNamara. So uh, we won't uh, be talking women's soccer again till uh, well, another four years, whenever. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that was the best, though, for me. I mean, I just I burst out laughing when Megan Rapino is she's going to retire, and now she's advocating now that she's retiring that men play women's soccer. I mean, that was just the ultimate. Yeah. Just like okay. And all the women coming into the sport were saying, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what were you saying on your way out the door? I'm sorry, huh? What? I'm out the door. Let the men in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> coming up following the bottom of the hour, uh, regional energy providers uh, are, uh, <laughs> well, here's the headline. Power providers beg Biden for fossil fuels, say renewable energy alone can't keep grid reliable. So if the Biden administration, by the way that they reacted to the credit rating being lowered Mm -hmm. because of too much debt, Mm -hmm. and what came out of the Biden administration is to solve the problem of too much debt, let's take out more debt, Mm -hmm. I can imagine their reaction to this one. Because the Biden administration will do the exact opposite yeah, of what should be done. Again, another Seinfeld episode. Yeah. It's opposite day. I'll do it again. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Biden will see it and go, oh, okay. Yeah. More oil and natural gas. You bet. I'm and, sure. And a, a poll on bribery. We'll get to that and, okay. and, and more on the way.
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. That's right. We make it very easy for you. Well, regional electricity providers tasked with keeping America's lights on warned yesterday that the Biden administration must delay the retirement of fossil fuel power plants to give renewables time to catch up or else risk major energy shortfalls. And even, by the way, even even on this, they didn't go where they should go. No. They said grid reliability would be jeopardized by quickly transitioning electricity use from coal and natural gas to green alternatives such as wind and solar. The transmission groups, which collectively deliver power from energy sources to tens of millions of homes in dozens of states, told reporters that extreme heat conditions this summer underscore the need to slow the closures of power plants, particularly those using coal. I'm not saying now is the time to double down on fossil fuels. I'm just saying now is the time to slow on the removal of those assets uh, from our footprint, said Larry Nickel, Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of Southwest Power Pool, a regional transmission organization serving 14 states across the central U.S. and South Dakota to Louisiana. Well, again, he's wrong. You're going Unless you're going to have natural gas plants... Uh, you can't be closing down coal. No. You've got to have the natural gas plants because you cannot survive the grid. And and this is the, they're so afraid of the pushback from the Biden administration that they're like, oh, we're, we're not, we're not, we're, you know, we're not saying it's time to double down on fossil fuels. No, actually, it's time to double down on fossil fuels. That yeah, is. Because of where the country is going and the electricity usage we're going to have. We cannot provide reliable, consistent power with solar and wind. And we don't have... A buddy of mine did some research the other day and said he can't find worldwide any nuke plant starting in the United States. There's one that opened here in the last six months. But he said he couldn't find one. I've got to check to see if that's the case. Hmm. But nobody wants a nuke plant in their backyard. So even though you have some on the left now warming up to nuclear power, still, NIMBY effect, that's not happening. Uh, Two other major electricity suppliers, PJM Interconnection and Tri-State Generation and Transmission, offered similar warnings. I would stress the need for a balanced portfolio. Uh, You do need wind, you do need solar, but you do need something to back it up. Well, you don't need solar and wind. No, you may want solar and wind. You don't need solar and wind. And if you have solar and wind that has to be backed up by coal and natural gas, you're going to pay much greater electricity prices and you have to subsidize across the board. You have to government subsidy or skyrocket the price of electricity. But this is the problem when you even have the industry, when you have the energy providers not going the full measure here. Yep. They're afraid. Well, they see, like we said, Biden administration. Our credit rating's been downgraded. Well, why? Because you're borrowing too much money. All right. 
Send the Treasury Secretary out that we have the solution. Well, what's the solution to the problem that we're borrowing too much money? Borrow even more. So the insanity continues there. If the insanity is there, why not the insanity here? If they get too loud, Biden administration, well, they want more coal and natural gas. We're going to cut that even more. Right. Uh Natural gas and coal fire plants generated nearly eighty percent, excuse me, sixty percent of the nation's energy last year. Wow. Compared with about twenty percent for renewables such as wind, solar, and hydropower. But that actually isn't the equation you're looking for. The equation you're looking for is when you have cold weather, when you have no wind, when it's night. Where's your consistent forms of energy? Because yeah, you can sit there at times, and we know. That wind power alone can provide, when the wind is blowing, up to 60%. I believe it's around 60% of the power here in the state of Texas. Right. When it's blowing. When it's not blowing, something's got to back that up. It's, It's just insane that even those that are charged with providing the energy that know the full equation here are slow walking this and going, listen, we can also do solar and wind, but we're going to need natural gas. And no. Why, why are we being stupid about this? Why are we being stupid about this? What we're doing is, is we're building this acceptance over and over again of, well, we may have brownouts today. Make sure you don't use your AC during the afternoon. Phoenix, West Texas. We should never, ever, ever be in a situation where that is a regular occurrence. That should be an anomaly that gets everybody's attention because something is wrong in the infrastructure, but not because we chose to build an infrastructure that can't do the job. And we know, have you, what's, guys, hey, you guys, what's the example? Right here in Republican Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, Republicans it, it, were proud to take wind power awards for being the number one wind power state yay Yay. we're good people we care more about the planet than any other state and then free zola hit in february of 21 Uh uh-oh where solar was useless and wind was shut down completely yeah and as we have stated since the word went out hey Coal plants, natural gas plants, we're going to be shutting you down. You're going out of business. Nobody's going to do long-term capital investment there, so they weren't ready for the freeze. Hey, just like to fund the police. Saw the woman in Portland yesterday who was mugged. Well, this is what we asked for. What could you expect? Same thing from the police union chief in San Francisco. Well, we've got crime is out of control. What did you expect? We defunded the police. What did you expect? There was no other conclusion. There's no other conclusion as to the disaster that's waiting for us. Yep. And it's like, 
let's keep voting those people in because they sound nice. They uh-huh. sound as if they care. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, we talk about the ignorance of the American public where the majority don't understand the Constitution of the United States. Don't, can't even tell you the three branches of government. If they can't do that, then they cannot tell you about the about the separation of powers. They don't even understand how our system works, yet they criticize it every day, and they can't even tell you how it works. They criticize by ignorance. How many people know how a grid works? How many people know about electricity? You know, you and I were talking about, uh, you know, just uh, uh, vehicles, and I remember thinking about this a long time ago. I mean, when, when I was young, my father bought, it was called the Visible Engine. It was a V8 engine, and we put it together. I mean, it was a whole thing, and, you know, plastic engine, remember that? You could see that. So I knew exactly how an internal combustion engine works. I mean, precisely, I know how it works. And I learned, I mean, I, I learned at a very young age, eight, nine years old, how many people today drive a car and have any idea how it works underneath them? How an internal combustion car works. Right. If they, if the majority of Americans don't know the three branches of government, how many people know about, you know, electricity and how it's actually generated? We live in such an ignorant nation. Doesn't mean stupid. It means lack of knowledge. And people make decisions every day being ignorant on what they're voting on. They have no clue as to the people that they're putting in office, what these people will actually do. And for the most part, because this is the worst part of it, it's weak, willful uh, ignorance. They don't care. It sounds good. And so that's what I'm going to vote for. I'm not going to research it. I'm not even going to pay attention to my own, you know, my, my own uh, self-interest here. I'm lazy. It sounds good. I want it. Until my power's gone. Until my power's gone. And then and it's then, too late. And then you SOB, why, did, why didn't you look out after my best interest? Well, because you didn't. And if you're not going to look out for your best interest, you're a fool if you believe some politician is. And once the change is already in place, once all of this is, is done and behind us, and, and much of it is, it takes a much greater political will to turn it back. Oh, yeah. yeah. So these energy providers saying, well, you know, well, we don't need to. No, no, we need to all quit being stupid and we need to have reliable energy. And we're the king when it comes to our reserves of oil and natural gas. And I mean of the world. We tower over everyone. But we choose not to do it. It's a choice. Yep. We could have much cheaper electricity prices. Oh, yeah. And believe me, it's going to go up. Cheap and plentiful energy and a massive expansion of the economy. Which across, would be across all sectors. It, too. it would be yep, and it would be for at least a couple of lifetimes. Well, you know, they, we we talk about the manufacturing base all the time. What would help boost and give America a competitive advantage uh, in uh, in uh, in manufacturing? I mean, if cheap we energy. if we can find any workers that want to mm-hmm. work in manufacturing, cheap energy anymore, cheap energy across the board. You want to boost the economy. With the cheap energy we have, that's how you do it. You want to remain uh, a, a superpower economic 
wise in the in in the world, cheap energy, cheap energy. Do we have it, or does that cheap energy have to come from overseas? Nope, can all be produced here in the United we States. We refuse to do it. We choose not to do it. Let's not forget the current president has begged other nations, Venezuela and the Saudis, for oil. If you're if you're one of these liberal-minded people that says no, wind and solar is the future, and we have to do that, then why is he begging other countries? Why do we have to t- get on a knee and beg anyone? We don't. No. We choose to beg. Yep. We choose to beg totalitarian dictatorships. Yes. Choosers for, can be beggars. Yeah, for, <laughs> All right, we, we got to write that it. down. We just proved Choosers it. can be beggars. All right, I like that. And Choosers is, can be beggars. And, and this is where we are oh as a nation. Gosh. We have it. It's right here on the ground. It's, it's right here. A massive expansion of the economy. That would go on for lifetimes and the world. And by the way, if you're one of these that says, oh, we just went to this country or that country for oil. Okay, fine. You get your answer, too. You get your solution. Because when we truly prove to the world that we're willing to go get it and we are the king. Then the former leader of Iran, Ahmadinejad, when he stepped out and said, we want to, you know. Uh, we want to wipe Israel off the map or they're screaming death to America or uh, the oil markets don't shake as much. You don't shake the foundation geopolitically. And everything that we need right here is available to us. We rely on no one, but we choose not to do it. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley. I'm Gary McNamara. I'm exhausted today. I mean, not physically, just mentally from these topics. No, it's draining <laughs> because these are the most critical things. If you think about it, uh, the basis of who we are as a as a nation, a free society, uh, and to keep free markets alive requires that expansion of wealth. While the left today wants to, of course, do away with that. You shouldn't have wealth. They say there shouldn't be billionaires. That's what they're saying. But what they really mean by that is because, okay, let's say we do away with billionaires. You you take wealth out of the private sector. Well, then, you yeah. and But but then after the billionaires, well, now it's the millionaires. Now that's going to scare Bernie because he's now a millionaire. But these are the things that they look at, and it's like, well, no, the millionaires are dangerous. Well, you you have you you have wealth that your neighbor doesn't have. We should all be equal and the same. Yeah, we're a free society. Free markets reign. And we need the expansion of wealth.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. All right, we got polling numbers here. All right, what do you got? This is from uh, Tip Insights. As the Biden corruption probe broadens and more evidence comes uh, to the foreground on possible bribery of the Biden family by foreign powers, a question arises, what do Americans think should be done if the allegations are true? Okay. The overwhelming response, Biden should leave or be removed from office and not run again, the latest INI tip poll shows. Okay. In an earlier story, we wondered, if any of these charges are shown to be true, can Biden weather the ensuing political storm, or will he face a choice of impeachment impeachment or resignation, and thereby uh, force the Democrats to find a new standard bearer in 2024? In the online poll of 1,341 adults taken July 5th through the 7th. Now, that's quite a long time ago. It is. It's a month ago, roughly. Yep. Because there's been a lot of new news since that point. With a margin of error of 2.7 percentage points, we answered that question. Biden is not likely to weather the political storm. A strong majority, 63%, suggested that President Joe Biden should either be impeached or resign if the charges prove true. 20% said Biden, if the charges are true, if they believe the charges are true, believe that Biden should stay in office and run again if he wishes. Well, one of our listeners filled in a possibility because otherwise it's Kamala. (laughs) 20% are saying, no, 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 no. Bribery is just fine. It's fine. (laughs) Bribery is better than Kamala. (laughs) (laughs) And remember, this is proving bribery. Well, then it must be, Mm. as uh, what was it, NPR uh, suggested, uh, race and gender. It Uh must be the bigotry. Well, it's not the, well, I guess, well, what what, what would it be? Because... That race, gender, bribery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, NPR was asking that question the other day. We brought mm-hmm. it up where they said, mm-hmm. is the reason that she's not popular, you're not popular, is because of your gender and your skin color? Mm. So they believe that the Democratic Party is racist and sexist. Because <laughs> that's where her great unpopularity yeah, is. Right. Naturally, his her, her unpopularity it would be a given would be in the opposition party. Right. The big concern is that she polls so low with Democrats. Right. That's the difference. Right. So NPR is questioning again, and we've heard this many times before, and when Kamala Harris was first to pull out in the 2020 race, Mm -hmm. she said it was because of her race and gender, and we went, but they're all Democrats. Yep. 
was a primary. Yeah. And nobody ever complained saying she shouldn't say that. We're Democrats. We're not racist or sexist. Right. Is that because they know they are? Why did nobody complain? Right. I didn't hear one complaint. I didn't. Not one. Nope. And we searched when that happened because mm-hmm. we immediately picked up on that and go, see if anybody complains about her saying that. Right. Nope. Uh, so 63% say Biden should either be impeached or resign. Mm. 20% stay in office and run again if he wishes mm-hmm. because the other choice is Kamala. All right, I added that one. <laughs> 17%. I don't know. Well, <laughs> What if they gave a choice? Pick one. You could uh, let him stay in office, or allow Kamala, and and or just phrase it that way, or allow Kamala Harris to become president. <laughs> All right, here's one: eighty-five percent of Republicans think Biden should be impeached or quit if the charges are proved true. What's with the fifteen <laughs> percent? I, <know>. <laughs> I mean, it, I okay, hold on or... a second. There's. Liz Cheney. Uh, I don't know who else would be on that list in that 15. Or is it just the same with the 15%? Are they saying, no, 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 don't remove him because it'll mean Kamala Harris? (laughs) Well, this is interesting because independence, 64% believe if the charges are true, Biden should be removed from office. Again, if you can prove right. the charges. Right. If you can, right, this is if you prove the charges. Not, right. not just from what we know now, but if right. you can prove the charges, how is it not 100%? 15% say independents say he should be able to run again. 21% say, I don't know. Now, for Democrats, uh-huh. a plurality of Democrats, 45% say he should either be impeached or removed from office. Uh, you have, let me just see here, uh, 35% of Democrats say stay in office and run again. If you can prove bribery. 35% wish him to stay, yes. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> we're so beyond scorched earth <laughs> we really are we really are we are so doomed and remember this is a month ago too right so this is this is a month ago before everything that mm-hmm. has uh has uh has happened so mm. as we said it's not uh it's but it's it is good. conditional if you can prove bribery i mean that's the ultimate allegation is that he's compromised, that that he got money in exchange for doing something. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting reading this because, you know, this, this came out uh, July 31st, this mm-hmm. poll, mm-hmm. but it's from the beginning of the month. And it says, as George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley recently noted, starting with his campaign for the presidency and continuing until recently, President Biden has maintained one clear and consistent position on his son's influence peddling schemes as a virtual uh, mantra, Biden and the White House staff have categorically maintained that he had no knowledge of any foreign dealings uh-huh. with his son. That was just a month ago. We know yeah. now 
that is no longer you know they've they've moved the goalposts on that one. Right. Yet Hunter Biden admitted in court during his failed plea deal uh, last week that he received over half a million dollars from a company that uh, was linked to the Chinese Communist Party appeared to contradict his father's earlier claim that no one in the Biden family made any money from China. So both of those things were hit. My son has not made money in terms of uh, this uh, this thing's about. What are you talking about, China? Uh, Joe Biden speaking to President Trump said during the 2020 debate, the only guy who made money from China is this guy, Trump. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from uh, uh, China. So, mm-hmm. uh, All right. You know, you've seen those two moves. And, and by the way, it got worse yesterday after Devin Archer uh, did an interview with Tucker Carlson. Let me just play part of it here. All right. Um, I want to play uh, parts of it here. Here we go. So you worked with Hunter Biden in a bunch of different businesses. Um, what were the skill, the specific skills that he brought to clients? Well, at the end of the day, he, you know, he had a career in Washington, yeah. uh, graduated Yale Law School and had a very big network in, in D.C. and brought that know-how and understanding of D.C. and ultimately the Biden brand. The thing was, I, I didn't like the way that this people can differ. Tucker Carlson was too chummy chummy with him. Hmm. Laughing all the time and everything mm-hmm. else. I'm not. No, mm-hmm. ask the questions. When you say the Biden brand, what specifically does that mean? When you say Biden brand, what, what does Biden that mean? Brand? Specifically. In and he business. Said, and he, and he, what? Didn't, he didn't ask the question that way. Do you mean? Because the only Biden brand is public service. Yes. That's it. There is no Biden brand. There's a whole list of Trump brands outside of public service. There is no Biden brand. So do you mean by that access to his father? Is that what you're saying? Uh, It was interesting, and I forgot who brought it up yesterday. They said that after, you know, the interview came out that Goldman was out there saying, the investigation needs to stop now. Yeah. Yeah. Because he can't, he can't even use the demo. Because Devin Archer did again. He said things like, "I want to play, let's play this audio cut here." Okay. Here we go. All right, you're taking a call from the vice president, and you put it on speaker. It's not just, "Hey, dad, I'm in a meeting with some buddies." Right. It's let me let me put my dad, the vice president, on speaker. Yeah. Yep. In the in the rear view, it's uh, it's a it's an abuse of soft power. I'd say. He never questioned. What does that mean? Abuse of soft power. That would have been the first thing. What do you mean by abuse of soft power? So, and then he talks about this is the thing that was, re- I think, really uh, got up Goldman because, uh, you know, Goldman was saying, well, he wasn't involved in the business at all. And and uh, here's where Devin Archer talks about a lovely letter that he received from Joe Biden mm-hmm. thanking him for all the work that he's. Yeah, that he's doing. Yeah. And so that blows it right there because uh, Devin Archer is one of his business. Right. Uh, he didn't. T- he didn't talk to any people about business. He talked to Devin Archer about it. Right. Here we go. What's he thanking you for? Well, uh, you know, first of all, it's a lovely letter, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite enthusiastic. It's a little weird, though, right? Yeah. Well, it was. It, listen, it was. It was kind of the beginning of our partnership, and he was thanking me and thanking Hunter. I think at the end of the day, for bringing this idea of this government regulatory strategic advisory business into the private equity world, and I think he was excited about the prospects for hunter and um you know he was uh just just thanking me i think it was a nice gesture (laughs) 
which means he's thanking him, which means he knows what they're doing in business. Otherwise, he wouldn't be thanking them. Right. He knows it. So he's involved in the business. Right. And that's when uh, that was when I really think that got Goldman to say, when did they need to shut down this investigation now? There's nothing there. Yeah. So Yeah. Well, no, there's a whole lot more there. So even though I thought tougher should have been tougher on the specifics and and stopped him and not been such a friendly laugh because there were so many laughs during it. Look, we can laugh about the idiocy of it, but when you've got one of the major witnesses there, you break down everything, and Tucker didn't do that. Yeah. Well, that's it. I, you I, break, because I, I, I want... He got enough. I, he, I, I mean, he, I'm not saying he didn't get anything because he did. Mm-hmm. He shut up Goldman because everything with the, everything that he led to that that uh, that Devin Archer led to was the fact that this was all about Joe Biden. Right. Once he yeah. said he goes, well, the the group of people you know that would consult him, his brothers, family members, uh, and his father, you know, and so he was he did it in a way. But I just thought you could have. My goal would have been to really pin him down. What does the brand mean? Exactly. What is the brand specifically when you say that? And he didn't ask the question that way. And so I just uh, I just I would have been I would have been tougher on him. I wouldn't have made it such a jolly, you know, interview. Well, it's important to get to the truth. But you did advance. I'll give him credit for that. Mm. He did advance the fact that, okay, it's about Joe. It's about Joe. And shut Goldman up for the day where Goldman, and I say shut Goldman because when Goldman's saying, uh, stop the, you know, this, this, we need to stop the investigation because there's nothing there. That's what you want. Yeah. Right. Because he doesn't know where to go at this point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, um. What was the other thing that I was? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, I know. This, I'm, there's so many things going on. I mean, there's this and the 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 entire. Um, um, uh, oh gosh, a Trump thing too. That something that we said yesterday, that Andrew McCarthy actually backed up, and we'll get to it here in a couple of minutes. But it's where, and I guess I said it. I said, you know something? If you talk about committing fraud against the United States government. Hillary did it with the whole Russia collusion. Yeah. By the Democrats there, by Jack by Jack Smith's definition of how he's charging Trump, Hillary was way more guilty. Because you know why? You can connect the dots to actual, not just things said, mm-hmm. but behavior in an enterprise or a conspiracy. Yeah, right. You want that conspiracy to defraud government, You've got it, boom, ba-boom, 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 actual actions to do it, to finance and create lies, sell it to the FBI, sell it to the media. And and that, but we said what he is doing by his prosecution is a fraud against the government. If you're talking about by Jack Smith's own standard, he is breaking his own law mm-hmm. with these bogus Charges against Trump that are based on freedom of speech. Right. Political freedom of speech. Right. By his own standard. By his own standard. 86690 Red Eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. Due to safety concerns, many motor carriers have policies that limit or prohibit the use of cruise control. 
If your motor carrier does allow you to use cruise control, you should only use it in good driving conditions during daylight hours and on roads that have light traffic, few curves or hills, and a consistent speed limit. Never use cruise control when operating in adverse driving conditions, including wet, icy, or slippery roads, during rush hour in heavy traffic or on congested highways, at night, or when you're tired or fatigued. During all of these driving scenarios, you want to be controlling and adjusting your speed as you drive instead of having to suddenly brake if you encounter an obstacle. In the case of a slippery road surface, you want to be able to slow your vehicle by not accelerating instead of using the brakes whenever possible. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. So our, our entire point is by the Democrat standard, which is the Jack Smith standard of the crimes that Donald Trump uh, committed in January 6th that aren't there. Uh, we said yesterday, when you think about it, by his own standard, he is committing the same kind of fraud against the government that he's accusing Trump of doing mm. because there are no charges there. Mm-hmm. Andrew McCarthy sort of covers this where he says January 6th indictment, a political scheme to influence the next election. And goes on to say, um, let me just get it, uh, get to the right part here. Um, uh, Smith does not have such crimes. He is an abundance of deceptive speech and expression by Trump that is constitutionally protected. In fact, it is political speech in connection with the electoral process at the very core of First Amendment protection. He doesn't have penal offenses, so he fakes it. Oh, fraud. Hmm. Trump is charged with defrauding the United States, even though it was just a few weeks ago in throwing out convictions of two cronies of former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo that the Supreme Court reaffirmed that in federal law, fraud means a swindle to build victims out of money or tangible property is not a vehicle by which prosecutors may impose their vision of good government. Trump is charged with corruptly corrupt uh, obstructing Congress, even though corruption for these purposes must comprise clearly unlawful acts, such as evidence uh, manipulation or witness intimidation, not speech that is constitutionally protective, even if deceptive. And finally, and absurdly, charged with a civil rights violation, a scheme to have votes discounted based on a Civil War statute designed to address the Ku Klux Klan's violent, forcible attacks and intimidation on black voters. That's the whole point, of course, the political objective of this political scheme, which the Biden Justice Department has masqueraded, again, a fraud as a legal proceeding, is a rush to rush the case to trial and inundate voters with capital riot imagery of the tw- in the 2024 campaign stretch run. Right. Okay, so by his, his own standard, he is committing fraud against the government.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I think what is fascinating, Eric, is uh, in you know in so many of the cases, really since 2020, you know, since we look at the 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 Hunter uh, the Hunter Biden uh, uh, laptop, and and even uh, when you go back and and look at Russia collusion and all that and the impeachments, two of the biggest supporters of the law, of looking at the law and saying what's going on with Trump is bogus. And what the Democrats are doing and what Biden is doing is bogus are probably two of the most well-known liberal constitutional uh law professors over the last 50 years if you take uh, Dershowitz and then you look at um, Jonathan Turley mm-hmm. both are Democrats <laughs> on Greta Van Susteren yesterday Dershowitz said I want to be able to vote against Trump I mean that was that's his ultimate argument right I want to be able to vote against Trump. Mm. They're trying to get him out. I want to vote against Trump. Uh-huh, right. So that's so you can take that into consideration as as Turley said, he's a Democrat. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in anybody's mind that Alan Dershowitz is one of the most liberal law professors in history. Traditional liberal, mm-hmm. not not the insane liberals that you see uh, you know, the some of the law professors out there. I just I can't think of the one I'm thinking of right now. Uh, in my mind, it just it just went through my. Oh, I can't think of it. Um, oh, I can't think of it. Uh, but um, but he, <laughs> I wouldn't forget Dershowitz's name because that's how well known he is. But uh, Dershowitz was talking about a couple of things with Greta Van Susteren yesterday. I almost said on Fox News. Huh. Where is she? News Nation. Newsmax. <laughs> yeah, Newsmax, I think. Uh, and talking about the whole thing of the special counsel. Where, you know, when uh, when um, uh, Ken Starr, Ken Starr was an independent counsel. He was approved by three judges, appeal court judges. It wasn't the Department of Justice that did it. And she asked him uh, the question about, are we doing this all wrong? Because you and I talked about this. You cannot trust the special counsels that are appointed by the Department of Justice. You just, you can't, you can't, this Department of Justice, it's too tainted. And, and she asked him about uh, the special counsel, and he said, well, it should be independent, and it should be picked by judges if it's going to be picked up at all. But Dershowitz talks about what he thinks the solution should be. The ultimate answer is that you have two departments, one political justice department that advises the president, a member of the cabinet. So that's just to advise the president. Hmm. All right. Most countries have that. And then a director of public prosecution, which is not a public appointment job. It's a civil service job, not answerable to the president. That you have a separate director of public prosecution. Sort of, I guess, like uh, inspector generals. Okay. If you have that right. division, you don't need special counsel or independent counsel. 
The reason we need independent counsel is because we have a schizophrenic justice department that half the day is supposed to be the president's political advisors to help them get reelected. And the other half of the day, they're supposed to be independent and only indict people based on their merits. But when we combine those two roles, which is why we need a special counsel, but it's much better to have whatever that person is called appointed by three judges, Mm. not appointed by the person who was appointed by the president, especially in cases where somebody is running against the incumbent president. That standard has to be so high for that, and it does not look like it's been met by this indictment. It certainly wasn't met by the indictment in New York, and questionable whether it was met by the indictment in Florida, and it will be met by the indictment in Fulton County. And he says, uh, of course, he has to promote, in my book on Trump, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I went through all these indictments and showed how politicized our system of justice has become, and today's indictment seems to demonstrate that. And then he, she started talking about the classified documents, about that whole case, and talked about you know Biden having them in multiple places and Pence uh, you know, having them. And asked, is Trump being treated fairly? Now, remember, you probably cannot find somebody who despises on the left Donald Trump more than Dershowitz. Right. But Dershowitz is talking about what the law is. Mm -hmm. Dershowitz, no, he wasn't treated fairly. Now we have to see whether the obstruction charge sticks. It's based apparently on triple hearsay. I've read the indictment. It doesn't say in the indictment that Donald Trump himself told an eye or ear witness to erase videotapes. Apparently, there were no erased videotapes. All the videotapes were turned over, so the obstruction charge seems to be based on triple hearsay, but we'll wait and see how it uncovered that is uncovered and develops. The charge itself of classified material does not meet that standard of the same justice for all because it doesn't seem all that different from the allegations made against other people of the Democratic Party. So, so far, I've seen nothing that warrants prosecuting the man who is now in a 44 to 44 poll tie with an incumbent president and trying to influence the outcome of that election through prosecution. To do that, the standard has to be so high Like in the Nixon case, I don't think it has been met here. And then she said, let me ask you about the New York State case, the Bragg case. Uh, And he said, no, it's the worst indictment I've seen in 60 years of practice. Mm. Never in the history of America, probably never in the history of the world, has somebody been indicted for paying hush money, the purpose of which is to keep people quiet, and they're not publicly not acknowledging the payment of hush money on a corporate form. It's unheard of. It's never been done. It's a made-up crime. It's the worst of the four indictment. It's the worst. It's the strongest indictment. Uh, the strongest indictment is obst- the obstruction indictment in Florida. If there's evidence to support it, and it looks like maybe there isn't evidence to support it. But the self-inflicted wound of waving a classified document saying, I could have declassified when I was a president... But I didn't. But again, that is not a serious enough crime to warrant interfering with an election. Mm. 
Wow. Then she he goes she goes into Hillary because it's important because we have comparison. Mm-hmm. She goes uh, and Van Suster says, I mean, I think they're all hoarders. I mean, every single one of these people hoards, and I know every single one of them have been charged with classified documents. But you take Secretary of State Hinton uh, Clinton, who you know, I do not think she was ever going to do anything with the documents. I just don't believe it. I don't. But they ended up on Anthony Weiner's computers, who uh, who's got he's got all these sort of sex crimes. He's he pledged to it, and he's the husband of her chief of staff or something. I mean, it was so sloppy. What are classified documents doing on her chief of staff's uh, husband uh, computer? Who's got questionable problems? He got convicted. I think it's all sloppy. It's terrible. But I mean, you know, they ought to be all treated the same. Dershowitz. It was worse than a crime. It was done, dumb, and it may have cost her the election because Comey basically said uh, what you have said, and although it's not a crime, it was serious. And she said, let's talk about Comey for a second. He's a director of the FBI, and he leaks, the whole leaking thing. Yeah. He said, well, I agree uh, with you. I used to like Comey. He used to come to teach at Harvard, and I used to like him very much. But the idea of laundering secret information through an NYU law professor. I just can't imagine a person of high integrity doing that. The standards of morality and ethics have gone so low in America today for so many people equally on both sides of the political spectrum. I would disagree with that. And the excuse that they all have, well, they did it first. Two wrongs don't make a right. The victim is Americans who want to have a system of due process in place and equal application of the law. And we are very far apart from that today. Mm. So there you go. So it's just interesting to see, you know, that uh, uh, Dershowitz. But again, I want to go back to the, what we had said yesterday, because by by Jack Smith's own standards, he's indicting himself for defrauding the federal right. government. Sure. By his own standards well, of what he is doing. He would have a number of people lined up, but he would have to be number one. Because he's interfering in an election. Yes. He came up with a political scheme to interfere with an election. Well, and, and so he because... is lying he is lying about Trump being guilty of crimes when they're protected speech. And by the way, we're using be very clear here, we're making the argument that Jack Smith is making. This isn't our argument. Based on the standards for his argument. Based because on, yes. not only is because he's going after Donald Trump for things he said. Well, Jack Smith is actually taking action. Here. We have we have behavior. We so have... you could go much further with it because his behavior based on his role. If you would talked about um, Donald Trump issuing a directive or actually being at the Capitol and saying, we all need to storm the Capitol. You have something very different. But if he's, again, by his own standards, he's the special prosecutor is setting this up based on Trump's words. But the special prosecutor actually goes further in his actions with indictments. Right. And committing the fraud to interfere in a presidential election. Right. There was no action by then-President Trump on that day. Only words. And there's no conspiracy. Right. There's no witness tampering. Jack Smith took action. Right. 
and based on his own standard, went even further because of that. Since I said it yesterday, I've been trying to find a flaw in my own argument. Mm. Because when I said it, it, the thought was going through my head for the first time. Mm. So I went, mm, I don't see a, I don't see a weak spot in it. Then, then when I saw Andrew McCarthy today, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> He's much more in tuned and has worked in the law for such a long time, is sort of making my same argument. And I went, okay, I still don't see a weak point to it by his own standard. Jack Smith should be charged. We need a we need a special counsel to investigate the special counsel. Yeah. For committing the same heinous criminal act as Donald Trump did. Right. <laughs> Tell me where I'm wrong. <laughs> well, it, again, if this is going to be the new legal standard, then then it has to apply. Well, the only thing, good, by the way, the Democrats are going. If if this precedent is held up and Republicans continue it, then we'll get to where we all want to be. All the politicians will be in jail. Yeah, because lying will be against the law. For those screaming, lock them all up. Okay, we may get there. Eight six six ninety red eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, you see the other thing, the... Uh, uh, story that came out yesterday, and this is this is uh, heavy news when it was actually going through uh, Congress. The Biden administration's effort to regulate pistol braces was dealt a blow yesterday uh, after a uh, ruling by a federal appeals court cast out on its constitutionality. The Biden administration, I mean, I meant Tuesday, the Biden administration rule requiring gun owners to register pistol braces, which are accessories that can be attached to the rear gun, to the rear of the gun to make it easier to aim and fire with uh, one hand. Uh, the Second Amendment proponents argued that braces make handguns safer and more accurate, but gun control advocates argued the braces could be used to lengthen a concealable handgun, making it more dangerous. A regulation that went into effect June 1st was one of several steps President Joe Biden first announced in 2021. Uh, two Texas gun owners, a gun rights group, and a gun dealer filed a lawsuit challenging the law. A Texas-based federal judge presiding in the case refused to bro- block the rule which required registration of the devices and payment of a fee. But in May, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals issued a temporary block of the rule as it applied to the plaintiffs, their customers, and members. Then the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans said Tuesday the Biden administration's rule requiring registration for braces was unlikely to survive a legal challenge. Mm. There is a need... For constant application of the law in this court may not have all the required facts, Judge Jerry Smith wrote, noting that multiple other courts have issued orders against the federal registration rule since May and that it is uncertain how many people are now covered by such rulings. The panel voted two to one to extend the block on enforcement for 60 days and send the case back to the U.S. District Judge in Texas.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.